I've said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, uh, what we have going on in this country is just a systematic uh, power grab. Uh, we have the Democrats at all costs worried about Donald Trump, number one, in his comeback, uh, because once again, Donald Trump's been proven right, but you know, the things that they've gotten away with, Hillary Clinton and what she did and what has been exposed, the media won't cover it. It's kind of interesting what they're doing to the truckers up north and the the uh, civil right violations of Justin Trudeau. You know, it's no uh, surprise that Canada and Australia have failed there are five eyes partners, and they've failed their democracies, their constituencies, their people. But they have never been the great country on the hill, the beacon of light that the United States has been, in part because of our founding fathers and what they've afforded us. And we have courts that are supposed to be protecting our rights, yet the courts in America seem to be chipping away against the pressures of the politic. And that seems to be one of the problems that we're facing right now. And I think that's happening because of the infiltration from the population uh, that's being changing, that's changing as a result of the open borders and the refugees and all of our foreign interests that we shouldn't have, whether it's Afghanistan or Syria or even Ukraine and Russia and all the exploitation and the game playing that's going on with the JCPOA, Iran. <clears throat> all of it is for financial gain. All of these deals that are being hatched are for financial gain. And, you know, they create crises to put out fires they put out fires 
to make money. You know, we see it on the right, we see it on the left. I mean, there's been so much of this. Exploitation of op- uh, in the name of opportunity because of greed, money, fame, and all of these things we're dealing with. And it's coming from all angles. It's even within our own ranks of our own right wing do we see a lot of these ruses and these empty promises and these false hopes being squandered. We have opportunities to win this war that we're in. But for some reason, people don't see us in a war. And that seems to be one of the problems as well, is we are in a world war and we don't even know it. But it's not necessarily a special moment in time because actually, even in World War II, people... In World War II, they didn't have cameras on every corner, but in World War II, there were people still going to the market, still making dinner, still saying their prayers, and still playing ball in the in the yard. You know, while bullets were flying, missiles were flying, planes were going down, ships were being blown up. You know, all these things were happening. It happened in the Civil War. It happened. It happens all throughout time. But right now we're living in these moments. We're in real time and we're dealing with these questions. What what should we be doing? How should we be doing it? And at some point we got to, you know, realize what the game is, what the rules are, or the lack thereof. And figure out a way to beat them at their own game. They got a head start. There's no doubt about it. We allowed that to happen. Since since Nixon, since Kennedy. You know, there was probably a time during the Kennedy years of Camelot and what have you. But then all this social justice and this liberation. Uh, I don't know where it really all started and where it's going. But you could look at the weather underground and the permission to blow things up and turn the other turn turn a blind eye. Uh William Ayers. And now we have these leaders and these are le- leaders. You know, you take um it's kind of interesting Joni Mitchell and uh Neil Young are back on Spotify. Spineless. So they're back there. They sold, they they tried to make a statement, but they didn't have any muscle. And kudos to Spotify for you know keeping Joe Rogan as liberal as he is, as progressive as he is, as as a, as as much of a Trump hater as as Joe Rogan has been in the past. Uh, I think he has a right to actually speak whatever mind he has, even though I disagree with a lot of what he says. But I, I support free speech, political censure. I know too many people that have lost their friends, their jobs, as a result of this political censorship in the world of Trump. I was just talking to a friend the other day, and they said, how's the, bill, how's the billboard business going? 
And I said, it's going, but we're getting censored left and right by Ripley's Believe It or Not. You know, and uh, the company that we have to work with in Times Square. And it's just sad, you know. We can't even put up uh, a flag-waving ad anymore because the folks over at Ripley's Believe It or Not hate America. At the same time, they support things like water polo, uh, elephant polo, torturing elephants with spears, metal spears. They, they play this game in I- India. It's called elephant uh, polo. And the biggest sponsor of this is Ripley's. They have no morals. They have no ethics. They have no anything. These liberals on the left are all about power at any price. I think that they would kill their mothers if, if they could get power. And all, all of a sudden we're seeing this attack on democracy. There's this new theme going out about democracy and how we're going to be faced with the end of democracy. If Trump were to reemerge, Somehow Trump is the, the end of democracy. That's what the media wants to cover. Do you, th- you would think that they would want to cover Hillary Clinton and her espionage and her infiltration and her corruption and the FBI's corruption and the CIA's corruption. You know, the CIA is supposed to be an international investigative force And yet, they were working hand-in-glove with the FBI and with the Obama Justice Department and with Hillary Clinton, a political candidate, to try to overthrow an election in 2016, to try to overthrow that election and then try to overthrow a sitting president of the United States by waging a coup. And there's so much evidence, you know, like Mark Zaid on January 30th, the attorney for the whistleblower, Eric Ciarmella, said a coup has started, series of many steps. It'll involve lawyers and in time impeachment. And they got what they wanted in the House. They would have gotten it in the Senate, too. But Lindsey Graham needed to get reelected. So they fixed the situation in South Carolina so that they didn't have a primary, so he wouldn't be primaried out. And he was a shoo-in to beat the Democrat candidate in South Carolina. And Mitch McConnell pretty much dealt with the same deal. And they rode Trump's coattails until Trump was out of office. And then they trashed him. These are the spineless, worthless neocons that put our kids in wars that they can't win because our fortitude is not there. We're not fighting for anything anymore. And not only are we not fighting for anything anymore, who are we defending? There's a report that came out that we're going to listen to here in a bit where Tucker Carlson's giving an interview with somebody and he's talking about this new Yale study where it's not 11 million people that are going to get amnesty, it's 22 million I actually believe Ann Coulter was right when she said it was over 30 million. I believe that. 
this number is ridiculous. You know, the numbers that we see flowing through the border on a weekly basis would indicate that, and they, they go in and they talk about the, the biggest landslide in American history was 17 million votes when Reagan beat Mondale. And I think the second biggest landslide was when Nixon beat McGovern. And yet somehow Nixon was the villain and they set him up with the Watergate and they got him impeached because he was just too great. The Democrats couldn't compete with their stupid candidates like McGovern. And that was that, right? So I don't know. I have to say that um, 22 million would be a real game changer, wouldn't it? That would be a real problem. And so we're dealing with all of this right now. But I want to play a couple of clips, a couple of things that I think are kind of poignant. Let's listen to uh, Tucker Carlson's montage of the Democrats blowing a gasket over Trump's comeback. They're worried to death that Trump was right again about Hillary Clinton. They don't want to talk about the crimes that were committed. They want to talk about the idea that maybe Trump was so proven so right, and Trump has got this new social media platform called Truth Social that's going to be coming out in about a week. February twenty first is the uh, February twenty first is the uh, date on that, but it's an estimated date, so we don't really know what's going to happen. It's in beta right now. But anyway, let's take a listen to this montage of of the fake news media talking about the threat to democracy. Just beginning to approach the level of terror the Democrats feel when they think about giving up power. It's not just a bad outcome. It's the end of democracy. Watch. Is the end of our democracy in sight? And I believe that the election of Joe Biden essentially paused our descent uh, in, into just the complete upending of our, of our democracy, but we are not out of it. So Donald Trump's comeback, it's the end of our democracy. We might see the end of democracy in the, in the coming years. So you're saying it's still possible we could lose our democracy here in the United States? Without a doubt. If Americans lose faith in the veracity and honor of our elections, it's the beginning of end of our democracy. I think that could be the end of our democracy, not to be too, you know, pointed about it, but I want people to understand. Hillary Clinton said a couple of weeks ago that if he runs and wins, that could be the end of our democracy. Do you share that fear? I do. Well, I don't want to be overly alarmist, but I think we should be alarmed because potentially this could be the end of American democracy. I, I never thought I'd be saying something like that. It could be the end of American Max democracy. I never thought I'd that. be Max saying Boot. something like that, says Max Boot. Well, that makes two of us. We always knew that Max Boot loved to kill brown people in impoverished villages in faraway countries, or precisely to send other people's kids to do it for him. But we had no idea that Max Boot was in the middle of a full-blown emotional breakdown. He must be, because how else do you explain a reaction like that? For a well-adjusted normal person, unwanted election outcomes are part of life. Voters don't always do what you want them to do. It is frustrating, but that's how it works. In fact, when voters reject you, you get a chance to assess your own behavior. 
chances are there is a reason that people didn't want you in power. And you now have time to think about what that reason might be. That's a healthy process. So when you lose, it is hardly proof that the system is broken. In fact, it's usually evidence that things are working exactly as intended. But people like Max Boot and Liz Cheney do not see it that way. They are too fragile to face their own unpopularity. To people like that, the prospect of rejection by voters, of losing control of the country, means literally, literally, literally the end of democracy itself. Imagine feeling that way. If you really believed that your election loss meant the end of America and the beginning of a thousand years of darkness, you might have trouble keeping perspective on politics. Every election would feel like climate change, the most profound existential crisis in the history of the world. And if your side ever lost an election, whoa. How do you describe a disaster that existentially existential? Honestly, words would fail you. You'd have only animal sounds. Donald J. Trump is now president of the United States. for the first time ever anywhere the 45th president of the United States of America. No! Yes, Democrats, someone you didn't vote for won the presidential election. You know, if you're not a Democrat, it's pretty hard to imagine the pain of a moment like that. For Democrats, it was like being boiled alive in a giant mug of the world's hottest latte, but without the soothing foam. Four years of wrenching agony. The whole experience hurt so much that Democrats inevitably came to the obvious conclusion. Going forward, no voter, alive or dead, citizen or illegal, should ever again be asked to show voter ID at the polls. It was a simple, elegant solution that no sensible person could disagree with. Unfortunately, not everyone is sensible. Many people are like Hitler, so they oppose voter fraud. Democrats wasted no time in becoming hysterical about this. Watch. Tonight's lead, Jim Crow 2.0. It is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Are remnants of Jim Crow, I shouldn't even say remnants, revivals, an attempted revival at Jim Crow? A Jim Crow KKK-like caucus. Their strategy right now is to pass a bunch of racist voting laws, effectively a new Jim Crow in the South. And allow Republicans all across the country to implement Jim Crow 2.0. Jim Crow 2.0, this is Jim, Jane Crow, this is Sally and, and every other crow that we can imagine. It's voter suppression. It's the new Jim Crow. That's right. Showing photo ID to vote, says Mr. Eric Michael Dyson, who not only teaches at a college, but has three names. That is both Jim Crow and Jane Crow, and for that matter, very much like their little-known love child, Josephus Crow, who's even more racist than his parents are. That's how immoral voter ID is. So stop it right now, says Eric Michael Dyson. It's the end of democracy. See, this is what they're doing. They're importing a whole bunch of illegals. They're going to turn them into migrants uh that vote right and th and then they're going to exploit this voter id law now there's a lot of states that are passing these laws i think um oh there's about three different states that are passing these laws and 
It's, it's looking pretty good, actually, for the conservative movement for voter ID laws. I just, I've always questioned w- the idea that how in the world can you bring in a whole bunch of people that you don't even know whether they're citizens or not, at the same time that you fight tooth and nail to take the question of citizenship off of the, uh, off of the table when it comes, to, it comes to census, and then at the same time, you say no to voter ID. So we actually do have the call system open today, as you just heard that ding. Um, and we're going to go ahead and take a caller. I hope this works. It's, I'm, I'm uh, coming to you live from a remote location, and this is like a satellite setup that we have. Uh, but caller, you're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Adams. Good morning. Here. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, we're, mis- we're missing a huge disconnect here. Okay, so the Democrats are saying that this is the end of our democracy. Whose democracy? Yeah. Whose democracy is it the end of? Is it the end of their democracy? Of course it is. <laughs> that's what they think. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, that, in their that mind, democracy. that's what they think. Yeah. Yes, because we're not a, dem- a democratic country we're a constitutional republic well well it's become patently obvious here that trudeau is all about free speech until the free speech speaks up against him then once it's against him he has to actually squash it he has to freeze your bank accounts like you're a terrorist and and crush you in every single way that he can he can ruin your livelihood ruin your family starve you to death, whatever, treat you like you're a terrorist. He doesn't treat terrorists that bad. In fact, we got him on videotape talking about uh, the Taliban as, you know, having rights too. Well, these are, these are the same people that, that claim to uh, uh, champion the little guy, you know, the minority. That's uh, the... the, the, the uh, the downtrodden minority, and then uh, when you know that minority comes out and and speaks up against them, then all of a sudden, oh, they're terrorists, and uh, you know they they have bad views. Uh, it's just, the whole thing is just a just a real mind screw. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know uh, that's what uh, we're dealing with, it? but we have to. We have to. You know what? The thing is, they're deathly afraid of Trump because Trump is the first time. See, here's the problem for them is that you they were all that that montage about the democracy was all about Donald Trump reemerging. And if Trump were to come back and get reelected, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be ruin everything that they've tried to do. And so they're so worried about Trump because Trump does things so differently. He doesn't he's not like Bush. He's not like all these other Republicans that we've had. Well, actually, how many Republicans have we really had? You know, we didn't. We had what? Bush? I, I, I don't even call Bush the, the a. Last real, pardon? I think Reagan was probably the last real president we had. That's right. So, I mean, when you take a look at this, uh, Herbert Walker Bush was all about the New World Order, not a war of the jungle. Remember that montage? That mm. quote? So. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Herbert Walker Bush, right? And then and then we had the Clintons, which we know about the Clintons, what they, you know, Arkansas and all that stuff. And then we had Bush again. And and then we had 
um, Barack Obama, and, and, and then we had Trump. So just one four-year term from Donald Trump was enough to really d- dismantle everything the Democrats were trying to do. The reason why we're in such a pickle right now is because we've had way too much liberal leadership. And I believe we've had have this liberal leadership not because they have winning ideas at the polls. I don't think they're winning elections. I think that they've been rigging elections. If you were to talk to Paul Preston about the rigging in California, which I know you're from, you live in California, correct? Yes. It's, it, aren't the politics out there, haven't they been corrupt since the, the 90s, or if not beyond that? Yeah, well, I'm in San Diego, so it's not that bad. But generally, yeah, in the the Northern California and and Central California, well, I guess to L.A. too. I guess from L.A. up is pretty much the bad part. I mean, anytime you look at a character like Nancy Pelosi or, or, um, oh, gosh, Maxine Waters, you know, Mad Maxine, Um, all these people, you, you look at them, Dianne Feinstein, right? or Eric Swalwell, or Adam Schiff. Anytime you look at these politicians, you say, you couldn't, you couldn't keep, you couldn't run a business, but yet you're somehow a powerful leader in Congress. It just doesn't make any sense. And they're not winning these statewide elections because they're so radical. They're winning these little pockets, thanks to gerrymandering, in the San Francisco area, in L.A. And so these people well, are so out of touch with the United States, but yet they're... They're dominating American politics across the nation. And it's the media that's exploiting them and, and allowing this to happen. Let me ask you this. Why is it that every example of equity and equality involves allowing POCs to run amok and not be held accountable? Am I supposed to believe that uh, in a, in the natural state, if there was no law enforcement, that these people would just be robbing and stealing and killing uh, because they wouldn't be uh, afraid of being arrested? I mean, I, I just don't understand that. It's like why does every why does every example of uh, female empowerment involve a weapon or some sort of mystical superpower? Well, you know, I think what's ironic is that guy named Quintez or whatever his name is, he was a face for Black Lives Matter and he's in Kentucky. And, you know, he just shot at a bunch of people. And he was, his biggest thing was gun control and the right wing and how they want to tote their guns and things like that. Yet he's the guy that's actually pulling the trigger on the gun illegally trying to kill people. You know, it's it's one of these things where... um. Yeah, what we're getting, what we're getting is a, is an example of fairness is to let somebody just go into Walgreens, grab bags full of stuff, and just walk on out. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so is that the mentality? Is that is that what's going on? Is it is it only because of law enforcement that these people aren't just going and just stealing everything? Yeah, I don't know. But listen, uh, I, mean, thank I don't. You, for- you see, that's what I'm saying. I don't believe it. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I don't think black people really feel that way. Oh, black people don't. No, there, there's no, a really there's a really great YouTube, Ami Horowitz, Ami Horowitz, this Jewish guy, and he did a uh, thing where he went out to Berkeley 
ask the lib- libtards out there to uh, talk about voter ID. And they were saying basically black people couldn't figure out how they, you know, get down to the government and yeah, get their ID and whatever. And then he, he, he takes it over to Harlem and he, he asks the same set of questions to people on the street in Harlem, not, not, the, not the academics over at Berkeley. And the people in Harlem, they, they were looking at him like sideways, like, are you insulting me right now? It's like, yeah, of course. You just go down the street, take a right, and you get your ID. What the, what, what's the question? You know, and everybody had an ID. It didn't make any sense. Voter ID is absolutely essential, especially in this day and age when we have illegal migrants coming through the border like there's no tomorrow. Yet we're not allowed to even ask them if they're a citizen and we're not allowed to pull them over and check and see if they have an ID or a driver's license to drive a car. And then Ocasio-Cortez, I'm going to play a clip here as soon as we get done here, where she's talking about stimulus checks for illegal migrants. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. absurd. But you know what they're doing? They're buying these votes because statistically, these people that come through, the first-time voters vote Democrat. I don't know why, but they do. And Ooh, they're that's told what, that the Democrats will give them everything they need. They're trying to that's upend. They're, they're, they're trying to upend. They talk about democracy, but they're the ones that are rigging the system. There's nothing yeah. democratic well, it's, about it's a rigged Clower, election. Yeah, it's the Cloward and Piven strategy of overwhelming the system. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for t- All right, All take right, care. Bye. All right, so if you want to call in... Uh, you know, I see a lot of people have been calling in over the last few days. Uh, I just opened this system up, and I see a phone log that has, um, am I right? It's 183 calls came in. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's a lot of calls. Um, and I see a lot of familiar names and, fa- you know, names of people that have called in in the past. Um, but in any case, um, if you want to call in, the number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255 if you'd like to call in and be heard. Right now we're going to listen to Ocasio-Cortez talking about uh, we're talking about stimulus checks for illegal migrants. But before we get to that clip, I want to quote something from uh, uh, basically uh, her name is Michelle Tafoya. She left her job as NFL sideline reporter in order to have a voice against critical race theory and other radical progressive policies. So she had to leave her job. And you know what she said? She said, it breaks my heart that my kids are being taught that skin color matters. You know, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so basic. But the Democrats and people like Justin Trudeau and the leaders over in Australia and all of our Five Eyes partners and our so-called allies have turned out to be globalist tyrants. Globalism and communism are one and the same thing. Globalism and socialism are really one and the same thing. I'm telling you, folks, anybody that considers it, and, you know, when I was talking with the uh, caller just now, it, it did strike me as a little odd. The only We haven't had a Republican that was not named Bush since Reagan. Think about the damage this has done to our country. And in fact, Nixon and Reagan 
probably the two best presidents of my lifetime in a lot of ways, although I disagree with Nixon with respect to gold, the gold standard. He made a big mistake there. And he probably listened to Henry Kissinger too much because I'm not a big fan of Kissinger. Um, But let's see, we had Kennedy, who is probably one of the most conservative presidents we've had. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. And then we had Lyndon B. Johnson, the biggest racist on the planet that got credit for the civil rights. But then we got Nixon. And then from Nixon, we got Carter because they impeached Nixon and they played these shenanigans, just like the Russian hoax. And Hillary Clinton started her political career on the Watergate Commission, learning all the tricks of the trade. And then we got, after Carter, we got Reagan. And that Reagan was the first conservative president since Eisenhower. Or, no, Nixon. Yeah, it was Eisenhower, Nixon, Reagan. And then after that, we got this, we got plagued with Bushes. The CIA spooks, globalists. I mean, let's face it. Herbert Walker Bush was the grand poobah, grandfather of, of the globalist movement, the New World Order. You know, Paul Preston has a show where he plays that clip all the time. Not the War of the Jungle, a New World Order. And they have this cockamamie idea that somehow that's a utopia where no one's, there, there are no competing militaries and no, you know, you wouldn't be miss, throwing missiles at yourself and somehow it's going to be peace, love, and harmony. It's not. It's tyrannical dictatorship. It's China, 2.0. So, other than the Bushes, we haven't had a conservative since since Nixon. That is a scary thought. You know, it never really, or since Reagan. Since Reagan. Reagan and Nixon. That is a long time ago, folks. Many, many generations weren't even born in the days of Nixon. You know? So it's absolutely, no wonder we're in such a pickle. No wonder we have such a problem in our country. Because it's been run by the same liberal values, progressive systems. And the hippies that were smoking all that grass and doing all that LSD are of the age where they, they've been leading for the last 20 years. Just given their, you know, just given the age group that they're in. They have worked their way to the upper echelons of business and commerce. And just, you know, just like you would say, Cat Stevens, you know, would talk about free speech and civil liberties. Changed his name to Yusuf Islam and decided to support a fatwa on Simon Rushdie's head for writing something negative about Muhammad. That's a hypocrite if I've ever seen one, Cat Stevens. And the same holds true with the most recent Spotify thing where Joni Mitchell and Neil Young did their business against Joe Rogan. And again, it's hypocrisy like to the highest order. These radical socialists, and it's exactly what Justin Trudeau's doing with the truckers. Justin Trudeau's all about 
civil liberties and free speech and all this, that, until the free speech goes against him. And then he acts in a way that's worse than anything I've ever seen. I've never seen a dictator as dictating as Justin Trudeau. I mean, people talk about, have talked about Putin. Lindsey Graham wants to sit there and talk about Vladimir Putin and how evil he is. And George Bush wants to tell you he looked into Putin's eyes. And all this weird stuff, these radical globalists, talk out of both sides of their mouth. Putin is nowhere near as bad as Justin Trudeau. And then look at all the stuff that was going down in Australia. And these were supposed to be Americanized uh, uh, democracies, you know, sharing American values. But you look at that and then you see where we are right now. And the only thing that's stopping someone like a Joe Biden is the fact that he's actually stone-cold stupid and Americans are armed to the teeth. No wonder they want to actually attack our guns at every turn because they want us defenseless. Do you know I've always said this and it's true? In Syria, the leader of Syria is uh, al-Assad. And al-Assad and the Assad kingdom took over Syria in the 70s and Russia was their biggest ally since the 70s, since the Assad kingdom was emerged. And Russia's biggest naval base is in Targus. And, um, but the, the idea was that the Assad family is an Alawite Shia. And, you, and it's well known that Shias and Sunnis don't get along too well. And that's the difference between Hezbollah and Hamas, for that matter. Hezbollah is a Shia entity and Hamas is a Sunni entity. Hamas is funded by the Palestinians and the Arabs and the Saudis. And the Hezbollah is funded by Iran and the Shias. They hate each other, sort of. Like it's a biblical thing, right? Religious thing, whatever it is. But they don't get along too well. Sometimes they, they actually work together, though for a common cause. But for the most part, they don't get along too well. And so what did uh, the Assad family do? They're Alawite Shias. Do- their population is dominated by Sunni. He took away their guns and kept them in check. And all the dictators in the Middle East would have strong gun control, which is no different than what the Democrats want to do. See, the founding fathers had it in their mind that you know, a free pe- free people, a happy people who doesn't fear their government, where the government actually fears the people if they want to remain in power, they have to, uh, you know, deliver the goods. They're elected to do a task, a service, provide a service, and if they do a good job, they'll get reelected. They'll keep their job. But if they don't, they lose their job and they're replaced by somebody else that will do it better. It's really simple stuff. It's not rocket science. So, in any case, we're going to take a listen to uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who's 
who if she was actually smarter, she would probably try to destroy America herself. He fought so, tooth and go. nail for the inclusion of undocumented people in, uh, in relief packages, stimulus checks, uh, FEMA assistance. And we've actually helped huge amounts of undocumented families in our district get federal relief um, that many others were trying to lock them out of. He fought tooth and nail for the inclusion. So fighting tooth and nail for illegals to get stimulus checks from American taxpayers. That doesn't make any sense. So uh, I was reading this tweet. It says, Mexico is a failed narco state. Canada has gone full dictatorship. America is sandwiched in between. And the only thing stopping us from succumbing to the tyranny, to this kind of tyranny, is the Second Amendment. <laughs> this is a tweet, and it's mimicking exactly what I just said. Preserving the right to keep and bear arms has never been more important. Bingo, right? Now, we're on the right track, folks. Here at the Scott Adams Show, we are on the right track. Remember what I've been saying about what Tulsi Gabbard said it perfectly when she was talking about Ukraine. The neocons would love nothing more than to have that war escalate in Ukraine because it would make the military complex happy, making all their bullets and missiles to defend Ukraine against big, bad Russia. And Lindsey Graham was a big part of that. Remember when Donald Trump wanted to pull out of Syria? I don't know why we're there. It's a pile of dirt. What, what are we there to defend? What's there to, what's there to save? Let them kill themselves. You know, he did it brashly, right? Donald Trump. He said, but I'm getting out. I'm going to get out of, I'm going to get out of Syria. I don't need to be here. Why put our soldiers in harm's way? Having bullets firing over their head. You wouldn't want to live that way. Why should they? It's not their conflict. It's between the Sunnis and the Shias and whatever. Let them, let them battle out. But here's the thing. As soon as Trump talked about leaving, which would have been probably good for Russia, and Assad would have liked it too. Guess what? There was a chemical weapons attack, and they blamed Russia. Russia did it, right? And so next thing you know, we had to stay. And Trump even bombed a bunch of chemical bioweapons surrounding this airport strategically, airstrikes. But the idea was that we wanted to get out and all of a sudden there was this ruse of a false flag attack in the area. And so you got you to be like, what the heck is going on? Didn't make any sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's just it's because it's not supposed to make sense. I believe it was someone like Lindsey Graham and not, not Lindsey Graham in particular. I don't think he has this kind of leverage or muscle. But I think it was the people that he's associated with in that area, part of the military-industrial complex, part of the CIA, part of the engagement in that area that wanted to be there and disagreed with Trump pulling out, found a reason to keep Americans in Syria for a longer period of time. Because there was oil pipelines going through Turkey, and there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on. We forget about all the things that were going on. But there was, as I've said on this show a thousand times, 
the four currencies are military weapons, oil, human trafficking, and drugs. And these things get paid for uh, in all kinds of different ways. And we got John from the Chicago uh, land on uh, the show today. Welcome to the Scott Adams Show, John. Well, Scott, apropos of what you're saying, you know what they like to say, if we don't fight them over there, we'll have to fight them over here. Yeah. Uh, these people are, it reminds me of the old Three Stooges routine with Mo, Larry, and Curly, where he says to him, maybe it was shrimp, I'm not sure if it was Curly or shrimp, but he says, we'll fight the last drop of your blood. Yeah, right, exactly. That's, that's, what, that's, that's the Lindsey Graham or the Max Booth as another loathsome neocon. That's what these guys are like. And when, you know, when John McCain said, and I think it was 08 or whatever, the Russians had that huge with Georgia over, I think it was Abkhazia or South Ossetia. We're all Georgians now. And I, I bet you most people watching that were thinking about Georgia versus Alabama as opposed to Georgia in the Caucasus. Yeah. And these guys, they have their own little games. And honestly, without all this maneuvering, what would half of them do? We really wouldn't need that many. And you know what George Washington said? Let us, I think it was Washington or was it Patrick Henry? Let us not go abroad seeking monsters to destroy. And they, they were so right back then because it, it gets you into so many problems. Yes, you have self-defense naturally. But for the most part, it ends at your borders. And the difference between us, and even if you look at Chinese, they don't tend to be an expansionary, expansionary culture, expansionary empire. If you look at them, at least in the past, in their empires in the past. Uh, the Mongols were, I guess, uh, rooted in China, but and that was obviously expansionary. But that wasn't really, you know, actually with a lot of the Chinese dynasties. Um, and, you know, similar with the Russians, they, they are more concerned with their abroad. They have very few bases abroad. And that's how you save some money. I mean, we're, how many countries are we in? Like 150? So, yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you on that. Well, think about it. I mean, you know, everywhere they turn, there's a government benefit. Like COVID benefited the pharmaceutical plants. And the open borders benefits the, the, uh, the cheaper labor that's afforded to the big corporations, right? And then the right, multinational right. corporate uh, tr- treaties benefit the multinational corporations, which benefits people like BlackRock or entities like BlackRock and Vanguard that own these companies and and, and corporations. But then there's also like this whole concept of the inflation and the supply chain. I I actually don't think they're this stupid. Printing money, uh, which they're doing on a global scale now uh, because they can, because we got away from the gold standard. Uh, printing this money right. is liquidating cash, devaluing the money, and that is a, another way to say that they're redistributing wealth from the middle class, devaluing their money, and putting it into their coffers by printing it up. So it's, it's, a, it's a grand theft of a re, and a redistribution of wealth to the elites. And not only that, but in addition to that, this whole thing, like I was saying a couple of weeks, or about a week ago or something, I was talking about this inflation, 7.5% inflation. You know who benefits from that is the people that actually bought the widgets and the parts to manufacture their products. And they got them on the cheap before inflation. And then now they're selling their, their products 
during an inflationary period uh, where, you know, it's like buying a house when the market is low, selling the house when the market is on the bubble, and knowing exactly the timing. That's insider trading. That's why insider trading is illegal. But that's exactly what they did on a grand global scale to uh, reward the elites for donating to the Democrat Party who could care less whether they destroy our economy and ruin our middle class. Well, my understanding is the financial elite benefit the most from that because the banks, the way the Fed distributes the money is through the banks, essentially. And I may be misstating this, but if you get access to the money first, before the money has actually gotten its general circulation, it hasn't experienced the inflationary effect yes. of the extra printing. You do better because you get to you get a, a, a direct advantage, a inflationary advantage. Right. You get to use the money prior to its losing. Yes, and, the, and, and then quantitative easing from the Fed waltzes in, and next thing you know, you're screwed as a middle class, uh, you know, person trying to, uh, you know, raise a family. Uh, and, and trying to pay to pay the bills. And again, you know, you can't have socialism if you have a strong, vibrant uh, body of a uh, wide swath of middle class uh, voters and taxpayers. Because, you know, if you if your middle class is 65 percent of your population, it's the, it's the middle class that pays attention to the policies because they're living on the margins. <laughs> it's not the super elite. They don't care. And it's not the super poor because they don't care. Super poor will do anything they can to get the government aid. And the super elite, they're not feeling the pinch of inflationary pressures. So it's the middle class that actually pays attention to, the, to what the candidates are actually saying. And they're voting with their, as if their lives depend on it. And, and by yeah, the way, the super the, elite don't yeah. want the middle class to rise up and compete with them either. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. I think at the edges of the extreme wealth and extreme poverty, there's tremendous irresponsibility, both yeah. because one is insulated from their consequences of their irresponsibility by their money uh, or their inherited money, or maybe it's earned money, but now they can sort of become Epicureans. And then the other end, they're insulated because there's just all sorts of reasons why. There's all these pathologies at the lower class end. Uh, in terms of family, in terms of just irresponsibility. Also, I would argue at a lower 10 to 20% of the population, you tend to have lower people with lower IQs. I mean, there's any, any question about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And just a lot of those people are on the dole, so they don't really care either. And so you have those two ends, and then you have the more solid middle. Now, obviously, that's, I'm generalizing. But I think a lot of this is because we've been detached from reality for exactly the reason you noted, we went off the gold standard in 71, and there's been a progressive increase in the, uh, in the debt load since then. If you look at the rate of um, the devaluation of the dollar since 71, it's the fastest it's ever been. Whereas under the gold standard, when there was a full or partial gold standard, the dollar was far more stable. And so they're able to get away with sort of devaluing these dollars, and it becomes like funny money to them. And that's why you know, politicians will use it to sort of buy off favors, to how we can establish this expansive military. That's how we can you know, give out all sorts of government jobs and sort of pay for it, and we're really not paying for it. And I think the powers that be, we actually know what they're talking about. And there's not many. 
I think they figure that the reason why they're running this inflationary policy is because they see that a gradual, if they control it, inflation effects wiping out a lot of our debt. Because otherwise, it becomes just, it, it faces you sooner and it becomes an avalanche. I think they assume something's going to happen to control uh, the government outlays in the future, like uh, entitlements. In the meantime, we've got to wipe off the the odd budget debt, like thirty trillion. But there's an entitlement debt that is the current value of present. I'm sorry, the present value of future entitlements that is somewhere between 100, 200 trillion, which is unpayable. And so, no one's talking about it. But the way they get out of it, they think is inflation, and it's gotten out of control now. It's gotten beyond them. And that makes all of us poor. And one other thing about that, Scott, is I was listening to uh, Peter Schiff, the economist, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, if we counted inflation, I was counted prior to the early 80s, it would be even higher. They changed it then because they didn't want to cut entitlement benefits. But if they changed the way they caught, counted inflation, they could reduce the COLA, so the cost of inflation living adjustments, and therefore save money that way. Hmm. But it, it actually, the inflation may be really higher. That's why it seems like it's higher to you and me when we go to the store and we, we pay for fuel. And if you look at that, and I, I think I told you that the value of a, your, your dollar in 1800, if you had that same dollar in 1900, would buy twice as much. Obviously, that seems like a joke today. I mean, yeah. it, it seems impossible. And that's the one more thing about Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, I'm beyond infuriated. I'm sure you are in her comments. But if the GOP was smart, which they're not, they would play her comments. Whenever she talks about the budgetary priorities, play this for the public in commercials. I mean, just use their own words against them. I mean, we'll win. And if you look, well, I just, I'll stop yeah, with that. They, they, yeah, I'll stop with that. I get your point, And they need to be a lot more aggressive. Jim Jordan is one of the few that is doing such great work and pounding that drum. Hey, John, thank you so much. And we're at the end of our show, but thank you for calling in today. Take care. Have a great day, John. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. There's the music. But, um, you know, be sure uh, to uh, check out uh, uh, our Getter Getter page, Scott Adams Show on Getter. Um, Also, uh, check us out on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, We post a lot of stuff that we use to prepare for this show. Um, Also, we're um, pushing uh, right now uh, something I believe in, which is that coil mattress over at my pillow. I believe in it wholeheartedly, and that's why I'm pushing it. Um, And so be sure to, if you go to MyPillow.com, use the code word REDSTATE. They now have an adjustable frame that you can put underneath that bed. And it's great. I, I have it. I love it. And I swear by it. But uh, also, check out org and find out what we're doing to advance America First policies to make America great again. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there